mama got some more chickens. Yes, you did. I did. I decided that um, I want to have a chicken farm. And I decided this, what, a couple of months ago? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I don't have enough going on in my life. I don't have enough chores to do and enough things to do. So I ordered more chickens. I love chickens. I should have known better than to get chickens this time of year um, because it's pretty traumatic. It's too cold to ship chickens. It's yeah. too cold. Um, but at any rate, I only got nine more. Well, only nine more survived. And, um, and yeah, so we're doing the whole baby chicken thing again. But they're not in the house this time because I, they're not in the house this time. Well, I think that everybody loves when you can hear the chickens in the background. Oh, really? Because I can bring them in if you want to, Samantha. Keep them away from me. Um, they're only a couple days old yet, so I'm not letting anybody touch them yet because their <laughs> beginning of their life was so traumatic. Yeah. So they're in a very protected environment right now that's, like, climate controlled and... Well, and I don't touch them anyways because everything... As if you are a true Suspended Sentence podcast follower that's been here since the beginning, and you remember... The first round of chickens. Any chickens I love when they're babies, they die. They die. So I don't, I, no. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if there's a link to that and why big animals don't like you. Hmm. I was going to make a really, really morbid, like, correlation to that. But I'm not going to. Hmm. Okay. So I'm not going to. Cool, cool. But at any rate, I have more chickens now. Which brings me joy. It brings you joy. I just cannot participate. Um, but oh no, I can't participate in your chickens. I'm really upset. Oh, that's oh, too bad. No. Um, the thing is, is that I don't really want help with baby chickens. Yeah. Because I love them so much. Um, but when they got here, they got here at two o'clock in the morning. I I called the post office the day before, and I was like, um. Supposed to have chickens that are there. Where are they? And they're like, ah, they got stuck in Denver. I was like, shit, that's not good. You're like, they need food, they need water, they need they're, out of the cold. cold. Yeah. So I told them whenever they get into town, call me. Well, they got in at like 2.03 in the morning. And the yeah. lady called me and she was like, I can only hear one chirping. And I zoomed up there and I got them, got eight of them, eight more in addition to that one to come back to life, which was, which was good. Yeah. Which was good. But at any rate, Samantha came over the next day and she was like, oh my God, they're so cute. And I was like, yes. <laughs> she only likes them for a minute. She only likes them when they're babies. I only like them when they're tiny. Yeah. But anyway, so we got chickens again. But I'm also not allowed to touch them because I'll die if I touch them. Right. Well, nobody's allowed to touch them right now except me. Well, and everything I love dies. So. And every... You- <laughs> <laughs> Not everything. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, especially when you animal that, form. Especially when you throw that into the universe like that, Samantha. Animal form. Yeah. Okay. House animals don't die. Farm animals that farm I love animals. die. Yeah. Um, farm animals are actually harder to keep alive than you would think. Like, yeah. there's actually a lot more to it than like. It's not like, oh, Tracy has nine more chickens. It's, I mean put some food and water in there and let them be that it's a little bit more involved than that. Yeah. You know, and if you don't know, you don't know those that know, no. I mean, it's not like you just order chickens and then they start pooping out eggs. That's not the way that's not right. the way it works. It's a lot. It's, <laughs> she's laughing at me. It is. It's a lot. Like we just got done 
like wiping their, their bottoms. I mean, you have to be like their mother would be. Anyway, so farm animals are not as easy as you would think. More chaos to our shit show. I love it. <laughs> I do. I love it. I thrive on it. I would be so bored I get if so I didn't tired. Have... Huh? I get so tired. Well. I don't know how you don't get tired. Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. But when I, I didn't, I didn't have my kids last weekend and you would think that I would sleep. I could sleep in. I could whatever. I got up earlier when my kids aren't here than when my kids are here. Mm. Like 4.30 in the morning. Do, do, do. I'm like, go to sleep. Jesus, I, can't. I know. It's ridiculous. Well, I'm bringing the case today. Ooh, yay. I know. And it's a good one. Is it I mean, more medical? It's not. Oh, thank God. I don't think. No, I'm just kidding. Thank it's not. God. It's not. So I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is the suspended sentence. Samantha, when you think of serial killers, because you're like the serial killer girl, go on. Just start naming some serial killers. Oh, just start naming people? Most infamous serial killers. Name them. Jack the Ripper. Uh, Ted Bundy. Zodiac Killer. Uh, Green River Killer. Uh, Son of Sam. Uh, now I'm going to like the clown guy. John Wayne Gacy. Uh, the Night Stalker. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's listening, think in your mind of who you think the most notorious serial, sil, American silver, serial killer of all time is. American? Most notorious. Did anybody think of Samuel Little? Oh, I forget about him. Right. And everybody does. But he is the most notorious American serial killer of all time. And, you know, I have a degree in this, a pretty advanced degree. I never learned of him. Yeah. Ever. In all your classes? In all of my classes, never learned of this guy. And that to me is ridiculous. Now, Samuel has a theory about this. Mm. And Samuel said, after I tell you this story, remind me and I'll come back and I'll give you his theory out of his mouth and his words, because I didn't like include it in my notes. So remind me at the end and I'll tell you what his theory is as to why he doesn't get, his story doesn't get told. Okay. Okay. Give it to me. The year is 1970. A woman is strangled to death and buried in a shallow grave in Florida. Over the next three and a half decades, more and more female bodies would be found across multiple states with no connection, no leads, no evidence, no suspects. Mm. But 35 years later, a connection would finally be made and more than 70 women will be linked to one man. Wow. One man. Americans, America's most prolific serial killer of all time, with the largest number of confirmed victims for any serial killer in the United States history. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Samuel Little was born as Samuel McDowell on June 7th, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia, a small town about 100 miles south of Atlanta. The story of his parents is undecided. He claims that his mother was a teenage prostitute and that she abandoned him at birth. But birth records from the year that he was born say that Bessie May, his mama, worked as a maid and that his father was 19-year-old Paul McDowell. 
Cops will say that she gave birth to him while she was in jail, but we have no confirmation of any of these stories being accurate, 100%. Right. We do know that Samuel Little was raised by his grandmother in Lorraine, Ohio. He attended Hawthorne Junior High School, where he was in constant trouble for his behavior and did not do well academically. By his own account, he began having sexual fantasies about strangling women as a child, starting when he was in kindergarten. Oh, cute. When his kindergarten teacher did nothing more than touch her neck. Oh. At five or seven or eight years old was the first time that he got the urge to choke someone. By the fifth grade, he was obsessed with a teacher who used to rub her neck. You know, your neck gets tight and you rub it. She'd rub her neck uh, in okay. class. And he started fantasizing about killing a little freckled-faced girl who sat across the classroom from him. Okay, that's normal. Totally normal. As a teenager, he collected true crime magazines that glorified the choking of women. These are normal things. I don't know why you're acting so surprised. Right. Every child acts like this. Right. At 13, he was caught stealing a bicycle. He was prosecuted and he was sent to the Boys Industrial School and Ohio Reform School. Hmm. Two years later, he was arrested in Omaha for burglary. A year after that, he was charged with breaking into a furniture store back in Ohio. And he was shipped off to a juvenile detention center for two years. Hmm. What do we know about juvenile detention centers? They're really great. Mm -hmm. He then took on a drifter's lifestyle. He moved from state to state, breaking the laws everywhere that he went. Assault in Denver, soliciting a prostitute in Bakersfield, California, theft in Philadelphia, DUI in LA, shoplifting in Phoenix, fraud, armed robbery, rape, other crimes. Oh. But nothing, nothing was beneath him. He would do it all. Oh, by 19, jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. By 1975, he had been arrested over 25 times across 11 states. Wow. In total, he served almost 10 years from these various offenses and escaped murder convictions twice. Oh, okay. Cool, And cool, he cool. was just 26 years old. So we're starting out strong. So you've heard me say time and time again, right, that prison is an institution for criminality. Yeah. People generally learn how to be better criminals in these right. places. So sending him to juvenile detention was probably the biggest mistake they could have fucking Yeah, now made. he just knows how to do way more stuff that he didn't know he knew how to do. Absolutely. Specifically, though, with this guy, Samuel took up boxing when he was in prison and oh, in detention. Cool. And he refers to himself as a prize fighter. So you, like, really learn how to fight in prison. Like, it's not like... Oh, control your emotions, punch where you're supposed to. I mean, you like really learn how to box. Yeah. And you, I mean, you're with people who will kick your ass. Right. Like you really learn how to fight there. He supposedly was abused in every way that you could possibly think of in juvenile detention, which I, I believe I will not discredit that because that is probably, probably the only true thing that this man is capable of saying. But it happens, I mean, the majority of kids that I've worked with that have been in these places, like, that happens. I mean, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, like, like it happens. It happens, yeah. And it, I don't, I don't know of any person who has ever come out of a place like that without a story like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the way that it is. Just so shitty, but affirm to our episode on juvenile probation and juvenile yeah. detention. Um, right. 
Okay, but but let's circle back for a second and let me just say again so that we can digest this, okay? He's 26 years old. He's been arrested 25 times and served almost 10 years in jails or detention centers. So I would say that he'd be a pretty crappy criminal, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, since he was 16, that's, I mean, 10 years is... Right, in and out for 10 years, right? And the second that he gets out... He, he goes straight, crime. right, like he goes straight head in and, and go, you know, like breaks like the walks out of the prison, walks in with a gun to shoot up a friggin' score. <laughs> right, like he doesn't sound like a very good criminal, does he? No. At all. But there may be another reason that he gets locked up so frequently. Why? I don't know. Maybe he needs an alibi. Fair enough. Okay. 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 Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is my theory. That's not any, nobody else has said that, but it's just what's resonating with me after you hear this. Okay. Let's go to December 31st, 1969. He is 29 years old, okay? And he guided his little car to a stop on a secluded road off of Route 27 near Miami in Florida and cut the engine. Long before, 33-year-old Mary Brosley straddled his lap. He started playing with her necklace. He'd met her at a nearby bar, drinking away the final hours of 1970. She was a frail, vulnerable woman, about five foot, four inches tall, anorexic, barely 80 pounds. The tip of her left pinky finger was missing, sliced off in a kitchen accident, and she walked with a limp because she had just had hip surgery. Brosley had left a series of lovers and two children in Massachusetts after endless confrontations about her drinking. Estranged from her family, struggling to survive, she was the kind of woman who might disappear from the face of the earth without anybody noticing. Yeah. Little admired the way that the moonlight illuminated on her pale throat. I had desires, strong desires, to choke her. Mary Brosley had been dead for three weeks when a man and his 15-year-old son went out hunting one Sunday afternoon, stumbled across her body in a shallow grave. Dressed in a multicolored dress, underwear, and a metal necklace, the dead woman was decayed beyond recognition and carried no ID. Mm. Police ran what remained of her fingerprints but found no matches. Her body lay decomposing for weeks yeah. before it was discovered, allowing physical clues to completely deg um, degrade. By the time they found her, Miami police weren't even sure that their Jane Doe had been murdered. The woman's blood alcohol level was so high, between 0.29 and 0.37. Jeez. That it was possible that she had simply just dropped dead. Police deemed the, the death suspicious, but did not label it as homicide, despite the fact that somebody had buried her in a shallow grave. Right. Remember where she was found. Right. How is this not, how is this, she just got drunk and what, she got, she got drunk, dug a hole, got herself in it, then buried herself? And Come then on. dropped dead? And then died? <laughs> Come on, Common sense isn't that common. But this would not be the first time law enforcement would have evidence of murder or at least foul play and do absolutely nothing but rule the death suspicious or of natural causes. We, we know that. 1974. Martha Cunningham, a 34-year-old African-American woman, disappear, disappears from Knoxville, Tennessee, on her way to a New Year's, New Year's Eve church service. Mm. When they found her body, police told local reporters it was covered in bruises, 
An autopsy noted that her purse and jewelry were missing, that her stockings and underwear had been pulled down to her thighs, and that her dress and slip had been pulled up. Still, the autopsy finds, quote, no obvious cause of death. <sighs> Noting her history of seizures, local authorities told Knoxville News that the death appeared to be from natural causes. Oh, hmm. Interesting. Her purse, her jewelry are missing, her underwear around her ankles, her dress is pulled up, mm -hmm. natural causes. She just had a seizure. She had a seizure and her underwear fell down. That's she wild. 1977, Mary Ann Jenkins, 22-year-old African-American woman, was found naked but for her jewelry. Officials in Illinois incorrectly concluded that she had been killed of a lightning strike. Come on, okay, what? 1994, authorities in Pine Bluff, Arkansas found the naked body of Jolanda Jones, 26 years old, an African-American mother of two in a vacant house with a crack pipe under her thigh. Medical examiners found no obvious signs of trauma, but did find cocaine in her blood. Her death was ruled an overdose. The list goes on and on. It was cocaine in her system, but a crack pipe under her thigh? I, 93 stories just like this in 19 states. Wow. With bullshit causes of death that do not match. He was also probably the luckiest serial killer of all time in being caught and then being let go. Right. In 1982, he was arrested in Mississippi as he faced charges for the murder of 22-year-old Melinda LaPree, who had gone missing in September of that year. A grand jury declined to indict him for murder. While under investigation, he was extra extradited to Florida and tried for the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Mount, whose body was found in 1982. Prosecution witnesses identified Little in court as a person who spent time with her the night of her disappearance, but due to mistrust of witness testimony, he was acquitted in 1984. Jesus. Okay. They had their man twice. Twice. How many times can you drop a ball? Well, 93 times. Little moved then to California, where he stayed in the vicinity of San, in San Diego. In October 1984, he was arrested for kidnapping, beating, and strangling a 22-year-old Lori Burroughs, who survived. Wow. One month later, he was found by police in the back seat of his actual car with an unconscious woman, also beaten, also strangled, in the same location as the attempted murder of Burroughs. What the fuck? He served two and a half years in prison for both crimes. Oh, cute. Okay. That's what you get for attempted murder. Upon his release in February 1987, he immediately moved to L.A. and committed at least 10 additional murders. Wow. Time goes on, and now it's 2012. There's an outstanding drug charge for Samuel out of L.A. Samuel is located at a homeless shelter in Kentucky and extradited back to California. But it's 2012. DNA is now a thing. Yeah. So there, 
on felony charges. Anybody who commits a felony, like in the United States, it's a federal regulation, they take your DNA. So they take his DNA, standard protocol, right? But guess what? Pops up for some... Absolutely. DNA matches? Absolutely. His DNA is a match to the DNA found on three women's bodies. Three homicides. But these are three people, three different cases where the cops actually did their job and actually ruled them as homicides. And so they collected the evidence, right? In California between 1987 and 1989, the victims were Carol Elford, Guadalupe, Guadalupe, Apaca, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got her name wrong. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. And Audrey Everst. Okay. He was charged and tried for these for these murders. And in 2014, a jury found him guilty and sentenced him to life in prison without parole. After his conviction, the FBI listed his listed his information on its violent criminal apprehension program website which began finding strong links between his movements through the decades to a slew of unsolved murders across 19 states. In August of 2019, the imprisoned Little, Samuel Little, pled guilty to killing four more woman, women in Ohio, including 32-year-old Anna Stewart in 1981. He received two consecutive life terms in prison and two consecutive sentences of 15 years to life on top of his prior um, convictions. Rulers. Okay. Yeah. But at this point, authorities had confirmed at least 60. But Little wasn't speaking, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't telling them. He wasn't doing anything. He's like, oh, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Weird. I don't know. Right? But during his later years, so he's in L.A. County prison. And L.A. County prison is super crowded it's loud there's lots of what he refers to as loud ass gangbangers in there that are like swinging their dicks around these are his words like the vibe was just super like on guard all the time and he didn't want to be there mm. he wanted to be in a quite little cute little prison that's that's quiet and well maintained and security is a little bit better and a little less populated and the food is a little bit better down in texas Oh, that's what he wanted. And he knew exactly where he wanted to go. So then he was like, yo, let me talk to the FBI. So the FBI comes in and they're like, what do you want? And he's like, I will tell you where all of these bodies are if you transfer me out of here. I'll confess to everything and I'll tell you where you can find their bodies. I'll give you a comprehensive list of every place that I buried them, where they were, what they did for a living, like everything, and give you why if you get me the fuck out of here. So they did. So. Did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Absolutely. He, okay, so he was. Texas he was, is not where I'd want to be transferred to. Uh, <laughs> so he was not, he was not dumb. He was very, very, very intelligent man. He was very intelligent. Okay. One of the main reasons, though, that his murders went detected for so long was this. Many of his victims and alleged victims were like, this is going to resonate with you as soon as, as soon as I say it. They were like on the fringes of society, right? They were sex workers, homeless people, unhoused people, drug addicts. Most of the women that he killed were women of color. Mm -hmm. 
And he was quoted as actually saying, I never killed no senators, no governors, or any fancy New York journalists, nothing like that. I stayed in the ghettos. To this day, though, many of his victims remain unidentified, and many of their deaths were attributed to natural causes, drug overdoses, or accidents. Like, the cops did not do their jobs. No. His method of killing started out by punching his victims out cold. Remember what I told you he learned yeah, in prison? Had a fight. Yeah. And then strangling them. So with no bullet or stab wounds, it was hard to detect foul play. There is one victim, though, like in her autopsy report, there's one victim where the report says he punched her so hard in the stomach that it broke her spine. Holy shit. That it, that's a powerful freaking punch. Yeah. The Los Angeles Police Department gave him the nickname the choke and stroke killer because he would masturbate as he was strangling his victims. Gross. It's really gross. Yeah. In May of 2023, authorities identified his earliest known victim, which was 20-year-old Yvonne Pless. Samuel murdered her in 1977 in Macon, Georgia. He then killed Fredona Smith in 1982. Although Little's memories of the dates, like, is a little is a little off. Like he doesn't remember specific dates. Like he can't tell you August sixteenth of right. nineteen. Yeah, right. He seemed to have maintained a very, very, very good memory of other details. He remembers where he was. He remembers what car he was driving. He he remembered explicit details of every single victim. He also was an exceptional artist and had a or photographic memory. So he could draw photos of the girls, like sketches of the girls that were exact. That's really freaky. Right. And he could recall specific details that only the killer would know, including where the bodies were left, and what the women were wearing. Like down to the color of their panties. He remembered everything. Wow. Right. So when he makes that deal to get out of to get out of LA County prison and the jail that he the prison that he wanted to go to was Ector County Prison in Texas. Anyway, so when they learned that he could draw, he gives them art supplies. And told him to start drawing his victims. Yeah. And he produced impressively accurate portraits of his victims. Which then the FBI used to solve like dozens of cold cases. Yeah. He is quoted by saying, I live in my mind now with my babies in my drawings. He referred to his victims as his babies. The only thing he says that I was ever good at was drawing and fighting. That's really gross. Right. Uh, Little believed that he was commissioned by God to kill his victims to alleviate their misery. Why? At other times, he felt he was possessed by the devil. Either way, he described murder as a thrill. Quote, it was like my drugs. I came to really like it. I hate this. It is probable that he killed 
<clears throat> through his 60s and into his 70s. Wow. He admitted to more than 93 different murders in total, and 60 deaths have been formally connected to him by the police. 60 murders that would never have been solved if Samuel didn't tell him that he did it. Yeah. The majority of Little's victims were prostitutes, drug addicts, homeless individuals, and most of them were African-American. He claimed that he thought that these persons would leave fewer clues for authorities to find and leave fewer persons for to search for them. And he was correct. Yeah. And clearly the cops felt the same way about this population, right? Because most of them were ruled as accidental or overdoses. Even when the bodies were buried in shallow graves, the cops said no foul play. Natural That's causes. just, I'm, seriously. It's absolutely unbelievable. And many of his victims still to this day have not been identified. He's provided them portraits. And they still haven't identified Haven't them. found them. When asked if he had a preference for a type of woman to kill, guess what he said? What? Yeah, of course I do. Depends on what her neck looks like. Despite the scope of his offending, in total, he was only charged and convicted with eight murders. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Even though six are tied to him? Correct. Wow. Why would they? Why would they? They don't need to, right? Why prosecute him? Why waste, why waste state money? They always say that. Shit irritates me so it much. It irritates me too. So he did have a girlfriend. Oh. Imagine being his girlfriend. I know. Her name was Jean Dorsey. Um, she... She passed away, but she supported him like financially by shoplifting. Like she would just go and steal shit and whatever for years and years. That's how she supported him. But on May 28th, 1971, he was arrested in Cleveland with his girlfriend at the time, Lucy Madero, and they were charged with robbery of a gas station. Okay. So while in jail, she confided in her cellmate at the time, Dorsey, Jean, that she would be testifying against Samuel in the robbery case. She had made a play deal and she was going to testify. So Jean tells Samuel, yo, your girlfriend's going to friggin' rat on you. She's going to roll on you. So he, he's prepared. His lawyers are prepared. That's the murder case that got thrown out because uh, of the unreliable discredited witness. Yeah. Because his attorney then had time to prepare that and wasn't blindsided by it and he was acquitted of murder because of that and then she jean because she saved him is now his girlfriend and they have vowed loyalty to each other she dies but you know later just of like i i think she had like a brain hemorrhage or something but she died but they were together um like Oh, the other thing was that she was substantially older than him. She was like 27 years older than he was. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was way older. But so Samuel dies in jail December 30th, 2020 in a Los Angeles County area hospital. Oh, he didn't make it to Texas? At 80 years old. No. And although California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation Sources indicate no cause of death, <laughs> Little suffers from diabetes, heart problems, and other health concerns. Okay, but, but seriously, okay. He was convicted in 2014, and he died in 2020. Yeah. So he only served five and a half years for murdering women for over 50 years of his life. Yeah. That is one hell of a suspended sentence. Yeah. 
So what is, why does he think that? That nobody ever talks about him? Yeah. Um, he says, and these are his words, these are not mine, but there's probably some truth behind it. He said that people don't pay attention to this, A, because he was black. The people that he killed were black. Mm -hmm. They were African-American women. They were prostitutes. They were drug addicts. They were, and he said, I'm like in multiple times, I, I'll stay out of your neighborhoods. Like I'm in the ghettos. I'm killing people that nobody gives a shit about. And I mean, I'm not saying that I agree with what he says, but that absolutely is the message that's being sent. 100%. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, these women are not reported missing. They're living on the streets. I mean, men take advantage of them all the time. They're prostitutes. They're drug addicts. Yeah. People take advantage of them. Their life is swindle. Yeah. You know, it's running game. It's turning tricks. It's anything to survive in that moment at that, you know, at that exact moment in time. Right. And he capitalized on those women. Nobody's going to wonder if they don't come home at night. Right. Nobody's going to be out looking for them. Nobody's going to report them missing. Nobody's, they're not going to be in the media. They're not going to be, you know, cops find them and they're going to rule their deaths as accidental or a drug overdose or whatever. Energy is not going to be put into this population of people. Right. We talk about that all the time. And he was exactly right in that because it wasn't. And the cops made him, gave him validation for what he was saying. Right. Which is absolutely freaking heartbreaking to me. 100%. Because every life matters. Every person matters. Mm -hmm. We talk about that all the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. But I, I'd never even heard of him. I'd heard of him. I forget about him. Right. And he is America's most prolific serial killer. Oh. He has got more victims and did it in a, he was very, very good at it. The other thing that was really, really bothersome to me this is really bothersome to me, is the investigator on the case was, was interviewed and said, you know, this is what Samuel's thoughts and whatever are of why he got away with it for so long. Do you really think that today in 2022 or 2023, that someone, could, someone like him could go and commit the crimes that he committed with the population that he committed them the way that he did and get away with it? And you know what the answer was? Hmm. Absolutely. So if we think that nothing has changed since 1970 you're to wrong, 2023, 100%. you're absolutely wrong. The only thing that has changed is DNA. That's, that's it. That's the mm -hmm. only thing that has changed. The other thing is, is that if he wouldn't have told them. They wouldn't have known about a they, quarter of them. He was only convicted of eight. Yeah. Eight of 90. Yeah. 93 women and you are only like we're not even going to waste we're not even going to wait this is the message that i'm hearing we're not even going to waste taxpayers money on a trial because these women were insignificant right and people always just look at it as like and there's i mean interviews with fbi agents that are like the mob wants us to go in in for every victim be them convicted but they're already behind bars that's not, it's not the mob wanting things done. It's people want 
you to do your job. Do your job and him to be... The victim's families want to feel like their daughter or their son mm-hmm. is being... Justice is being served for them. Right. Their story is being told. It doesn't matter if he already has a life sentence. It It doesn't doesn't matter matter that he has a life sentence. It doesn't matter. And the court system is not so overworked that they can't give it 10 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he admitted to it. He provided the drawings. I mean, even do it all at the same time. Do one big lump sum one. Just say all of their names in a court of law. Just give them, you know, I, I don't know. But... It it really really bothered Where, me when that you... that cop was like absolutely somebody could do that right now absolutely. That's like because when it isn't like Larry Hall like our Larry Hall episode you go to his Wikipedia page even his list of victims doesn't include half of the people that he is suspected to have killed right probably with him as well no because their no. names are if you're not convicted of it. History forgets about it. Well, and nobody's even telling his story. But, and again, a lot of his victims, he knows more about than anybody else. Right. Family's not looking for him. Friends, no friends, no, nothing. Women that just went missing and. Just vanished. And didn't go missing, just, you know, went off, left, or, or I mean, whatever. Yeah. But I. Most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. Don't know these cases. How do you feel about that? Gosh darn. Gosh darn. (laughs) Well, thanks for sitting through that with us, guys. Yeah, so I guess we all should do our research a little better. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Thank you for bringing that. That's wild. Wild. Stay safe.